And I thought maybe I am wanting to try and do things that uh, I'm wanting to try and look at people or also behaviors, like you're saying, small behaviors of people that I have not maybe seen before in books or in films or in uh, songs, or whatever, you know. In... Welcome to Tender Buttons, a podcast chatting to writers and artists about their process and politics, with me, Jessica Andrews, and my co-host, Jack Young. We are partnered with Storysmith Books in Bristol, who are helping us to host thinkers in Bristol and beyond. If you would like to buy any of the books from today's episode, as a listener of the show, you can get a 10% discount by entering Tender Buttons at the Storysmith checkout. You can find them online at storysmithbooks.com and they're open locally for click and collect and worldwide for delivery. We recently teamed up with Storysmith Books in Bristol and every other episode will be focused on a Bristol-based writer or artist. In today's episode, we are delighted to welcome Joff Winterhart. Joff Winterhart's tragicomic graphic novel, Days of the Bagnall Summer, was shortlisted for the 2012 Costa Novel of the Year Prize and was recently adapted for cinema by Lisa Owens and director Simon Bird. His follow-up novel, Driving Short Distances, is a brilliant portrayal of suburban masculinity in crisis. Joff is based in Bristol, as in fact of the first of our Tender Buttons Bristol-focused sessions, where he plays drums and writes songs for his band Bucky. He is also an educator in the city. Uh, and we have a quote here from a big fan of Joff's, Zadie Smith, who you may have heard of, who says, In driving short distances, Joff Winterhart has created an unforgettable central player, Keith Nutt, who deserves to join Keith Talent in the short but potent list of great British literary Keiths. He is an unforgettable character, beautifully drawn and exquisitely written, and he confirms Winterhart as one of the most talented graphic novelists in the UK. So Joff Winterhart, welcome to Tender Buttons. Thank you. This is really a, a fun and... Uh... Uh, unusual for me so thank you both of you jack and jess hi joffs so hi, the first thing we thought we'd ask you yeah um is that we have actually met before yeah in real life yeah can you tell the story of how we met uh well we met in france that sounds pretty classy saying that doesn't it yeah. uh, so we met in uh, france and uh uh, even better, a literary festival, but in a tiny village, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a very special village. Uh, it's called Parasot or Parasot, I like to call it, even though that's wrong. Is it called that? Yeah. It depends <laughs> if you're speaking in English or Oh, yeah, French, Parasol. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Parasol. And uh, we, uh, I went there. I, don't, I can't even remember how they contacted me. To, I think it was just, they just did. The nice lady, Catherine. Humphreys. It was it was wild. It was great. The first evening there was that uh, uh, sort of like a, I don't know what you call it exhibition at a sort of in a sort of primary school hall, and there was that yeah. weird pale wine that I drank quite a lot of. It was like wine. There was a lot of a lot of free wine. Yeah, hanging about. <laughs> yeah. A lot of shouting in the village hall. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that nice man Patrick was there. Patrick Gale. Oh, yeah, Patrick oh, yeah. Gale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was one of the most. Shout wholesome people I've met ever. Shout, Shout out to Patrick if you're listening. Yep. <laughs> Shout out to Patrick Gale. Woo! Cool. We, we love you, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it was powerful. I stayed with Paul and uh, Gina. I need to cut my nails. Look, I'm looking on my Zoom screen. 
sorry, listeners, I've, my nails are, man, I got to cut those. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was fun though, right? Mm-hmm. It was yeah, fun to meet you guys. Very, very similar to Bristol, I feel, Paris. <laughs> yeah. was not. Br- Bristol is the Paris of of, uh, of the UK. So, um, okay, to, to the comics, the first uh, thing I wanted to think about was uh, all of your incredible small observations of the things people say and do. So there's so many that we could list. Uh, Val's husband <laughs> and DVD, like different faces of people who are very much like of the everyday. And we wanted to think about how you found like poetry in the in the mundane and the everyday, and why that's important to you in your uh, comics. Well, that's a good question. Uh, I suppose I'm, you know, like naturally gravitate towards that, or I'm drawn towards it. And <laughs> um, I, and also, I, I am trying to do. I think I. Someone asked this question. Not that I do very many interviews, but someone asked this question. Like I think uh, last year. Uh, something I had to answer, some things I had to do answers for, and I thought, oh, maybe I I'm wanting to try and do things that uh, I'm wanting to try and look at people or also behaviors, like you're saying, small behaviors of people that I have not maybe seen before in books or in films or in uh, songs, or whatever you know. And so I'm trying to do that, but you know, I mean, there's other you know great, great good artist people for beyond me there's a tradition you know uh, uh, that i enjoy you know i enjoy work of like people like mike lee or enjoy uh you know linda barry or people like that uh who are often looking at funny unusual behavior that isn't is is, is not in uh eastenders or not in uh you know sexy dramas with like attractive people and stuff you know there's slightly more everyday people you know the 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 majority of people i'm really talking for a long time i'm really sorry it's my fingernails blame those no that's good we want you to talk <laughs> no but that's just right. going on this man your space. sorry <laughs> listeners podcasts podcasts and usually to do a podcast you have to have a special voice that i don't think any of us got but maybe we should be grateful for that but <laughs> we're practicing no no um, I, I like your voice is much, especially yours because you come from you know like you come from the northeast so it's uh, much much better Thanks. Thanks Lauren, <laughs> Lauren Levin. You're, you're yeah. regional. No, not Lauren Levin. You're much better than Lauren Levin because, you know, she, hers is more like a middle class BBC accent meets Northeast. Yeah. Sorry, Lauren Levin. If yeah. you're no, I love Lauren Levin. She's, she's, she's actually a really good broadcaster. Um, so, so, yeah, like off the back of that, when you're thinking of characters, where do they come from? Like, are they based on real people? Are they made up? Are they amalgamations of people? Like, how do you begin? Option C, amalgamations. Often they are like composite, you know. Uh, when I'm making up the characters, uh, you know, all these people come to mind. And often they're quite disparate people, you know, like there'll be people from, maybe a, some people from films, you know, like characters, from, certain characters from films. Usually they're people I know or have known, but also sometimes they're people who I've just listened to interviews with, you know, real, so either real people, fictional characters occasionally, not less so, but usually they are, majority of the people I've like known in my life and sometimes like haven't known very well just like a neighbor or you know someone I've met someone I encountered once on a bus so there's like four categories and they're all made up out of those four categories and do you have an image in your head of what they're going to look like or does that come later oh, that's a really good question these questions are excellent um I think I 
I draw them. In fact, I was looking at some old pictures today, but I would draw them. Oh, I'll show you, but it's a, it's a podcast is not a visual medium. Anyway, so imagine A4 piece of paper with like a lot of different heads drawn on them. Uh, that's, it's like I'm trying to audition what the person looks like. So I'm try, I try and sometimes I know exactly what they look like. So I'll draw them and I think like, oh, and then I'll get the idea from the picture. But if I've got them in mind and I've got, you know, I'm thinking all these different lists of people and stuff and I, and I know that, that character has to exist, uh, then I, that's when I end up like, you know, obsessively drawing for instance in the second my second book the the keith nut one uh the young guy kept sam i drew loads and loads of heads of him like just it looks like a, a bonkers person you know has drawn this stuff because it's just like pages and pages of like slightly repetitive ill-looking young men <laughs> you know <laughs> well, over, and over, thinking, over and over again it, it's different to like um like novel writing in that with a novel you, you never really have to say exactly how people look you know you can mention like two details yeah. about them and the reader's kind of like yeah i get who they are yeah I, I love that about books you know that's one of the great things i always think like I, I, it's sort of i mean some writers do it like more fulsomely than others don't they they probably like there may be a paragraph about what they what they look like but still it's only a paragraph and then you read the rest of the book and it doesn't really refer back to their appearance but exactly like i've got this huge reminder and i have to and i have to make them look the same all the time which is something you probably don't have to do in your in your the body of your writing you're you're both you know able just to go you know bushy eyebrows capricious expression and then you and then you off you know you can do what you want but yeah so that, that's a good thing i think because the, the reader is uh you know does all the readers are making making all these different humans in their in their heads as they as they read the book yeah but i think there's another thing as well with with your comics stuff or like comics in general where because you can't hide the body because the body's like always on the page it's that kind of thing where with like writing and and especially nowadays where there's less and less handwriting and like <laughs> yeah. if you're buying a book right it's like mass produced and it's like the the personality of the writer can like disappear or their body's not there yeah. in, when you're reading their book but like with comics it's always there because it's like got your kind of line and your style and your writing and that seems to be a really big part of your comics is like how many different kinds of writings there are so there'll be like a shopping list there'll be post-it notes there'll be like a handwritten gig poster and yeah. all this kind of stuff so it does seem like snippets of personality be it like in the written words or like the bodies themselves like you can't like that's always there with comics and it seems especially important in your comic these different ways that people communicate oh that's interesting through their bodies yeah do you mean like where i would show a, a gig poster or I'd show someone's handwriting in the comic exactly yeah, yeah. so you'd show like handwritten notes of like the mom in Bangor's summer like something that she'd written yeah many years ago or like uh post-it notes that the i know why that is though because had. i'm i'm sort of i'm sort of drawn to any kind of well you know one it's like graphic medium and two i particularly am quite interested in people's handwriting and you know i like ephemera you know so i would put, probably put i think yeah i put the small ad for his band in and i put in uh and then uh yeah i do quite like that i'm drawn to that but I mean, some novels do that. Some kind of like postmodern kind of deconstruct. Like Dave Eggers, he does that. Didn't he? he puts like some weird uh, other. Well, people put text messages in nowadays because I guess that's how people communicate. I wouldn't know how to do that. I've, I think I had to draw a couple of text messages and I had to really research it because I don't have a phone, so I didn't really know what, what they kind of look like. 
<laughs> Sorry, listeners. I'm like Stone Age granddad. I, you know, I'm behind on this stuff. But uh, yeah. It's interesting. So I also think, like, in terms of Stone Age granddad, <laughs> I think, especially um, driving short distances, that there seems to be this kind of dialogue between the analog world and the digital world. Whoa. And kind of, especially the character of Keith, you know, yeah. how he's, he's kind of holding on to this. Um, job that is kind of all online now and he doesn't really need to do it yeah yeah, and i was wondering if if that's something that you feel or that you're interested in kind of the loss the loss of things in the digital world i kind of um, i'm interested in it definitely because um i'm so glad that i'm so glad you asked me that (laughs) i'm glad you noticed that because uh you know i sort of thought i i was really interested in that idea and no one i don't think i think the only person who's ever not that i've talked to loads of people who've read that book but like no, no one has ever mentioned that before so I'm really glad and I thought I sort of thought it's because I didn't make it like land enough or I didn't make it because I think I just mentioned it in one bit but um yeah I mean I'm really interested in that I think it's interesting with someone is I always like this I always like that stuff where people end up doing something with a even though it's kind of pointless but they just do it to keep doing it you know like or they you know like there's that song uh it's like a 90s one hit wonder song by uh, the band Cake called The Distance about like someone who's like in a race uh, in a car race you know like in a big like an Indy Indy 500 or I don't know Grand Prix type car race and when the race finishes he just keeps keeps driving around the track I love stuff like that you know where people the motive becomes completely sort of mysterious but I suppose in the case of my character then it's just because he's you know incredibly kind of rigid and stuck in his in his world and he's sort of very blinkered and you know, he's not he's not getting older with any kind of uh, curiosity about what's happening now. He just wants to kind of r- remain stagnant. But uh, thanks for asking me about that, Jess. That's very, <laughs> very good. I was I was going to say as well that one thing in driving short distances where I feel that's like you portray it really well is with the old scratch sign you know like there's the kind of sign in the industrial um, oh yeah yeah estate and (laughs) and then the and the young the protagonist who's 27 kind of says sam sorry uh says there's like he kind of gives like an art school spiel about it yeah and he's like there's a really lot to look at the paint has started to crack like ancient pottery enough to reveal the original brush strokes um different kinds of decay but then like how (laughs) It's so at contrast with like how Keith perceives it, and he's like, you know, this just kind of needs to be gotten rid of, or yeah, that's almost like a re- inverse or reverse of of like what of of of, Keith, of you know the sort of the uh, the age, you know, Keith, Keith. Well, Keith just looks at it as being like scruffy and it's not got hasn't got it's not doing its its thing its job anymore. You know, it's not functional. And then I guess you know the young character is thinks it's beautiful and of course Keith would not think it's beautiful he think it's ugly so yeah I, yeah God, it, it makes my book sound really deep now you know like oh you're so many less <laughs> but um yeah I'm definitely interested in that definitely I'm on the side of the young character because because uh, um, I love old stuff because <laughs> I love you know rotting stuff that is seemingly unremarkable or I like anything that is on the verge of or under threat of being replaced because usually almost inevitably it is in fact do you want to look oh man okay sorry sorry about pod listeners but i got this sign from the i got this sign from the bakery we can describe what we're seeing the audio in, description um, north street 
North Street, Bristol. Oh my god, it's a giant sign. And uh, North Street, where we're starting with this. That bakery is one day going to go. Like. And, uh, it's and this the sign will go. The size of this the room. Is, is plastic and it's sign got with these like very pale painted cake. Battenberg cake and some sort of mystery cake, and then this amazing kind of Swiss roll. And I managed wow. to I managed to get it just just from the jaw. It was just in a skip to go to, about to go shit, a bit about to go to the uh, dump, and uh, I got it just in time. So it's so pan painted cake on a huge white sign. Autobiographical content. The size of, my book. of Joff's room yeah that's for like listening to uh, what's the word he, he, visual description for uh for the podcast listeners i showed my hosts my podcast hosts perspex sign some very very low-key pale paintings of uh 1960s and 70s of bakery products on it thank you that's the visual wow. description section excellent description thanks man excellent description <laughs> 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 please refer to page 27 of my book you'll see a corresponding image yeah, exactly. if you've never seen a battenberg that's where to go mm-hmm. um but i feel like linked to the kind of what you're saying about interest in old stuff and things that might like the way that keith kind of sees it as just like something that needs replacing and it's not efficient or something yeah um in your books, I feel like hinterlands or like hinterland spaces yeah. are like really, really important. So there's like the suburbia in Bangor or the industrial estates and their fading kind of time and all of that. And it's almost like some kind of contemporary Marky Smith in comic form. That kind <laughs> wow, of place thing. man. You I'm going to give it the, you. You should write the blurbs. This is great. Yeah, contemporary Marky But like Smith. there's something there's something like <laughs> melancholy I've said, like the box files, reception signs, the undernourished spider plants, all those kind of things. Like what is it about hinterlands that interests you, Joe? Um, as the places? Well, in I mean, I'm into the... Uh, sometimes they're just like the mystery. And um, actually in doing the actual book... It's not like it's not like I've been interested in this stuff for years, but for a while, you know, I did used to, for you know, like before I was thinking of making this book, uh, I would go, you know, sometimes I'd be on an industrial estate, uh, and I would think these places are just so nothingy. It's interesting, but that was that's about as far as it would go, you know. I didn't have any like deep love or sort of abiding curiosity in it. I just thought, wow, this what is, and then. And then I just suppose I just thought, well, where could I had the character of Keith and I thought, well, where could he work? And I thought, you know, of the industrial estate. And then I did start look, going around industrial estates and um, and they became really, really, really fascinating to me, uh, fascinating to me. And I would say to people like, so what kind of stuff happens on the industrial estate? What kind of interesting stories? And they, people would often just say, well, not a lot, really. And, you know, and I thought, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it just became you know more and more intriguing to me and then they start to look beautiful to me and you know i would take lots and lots of reference pictures and and now one of the things i do like about dim books i don't know if you guys have the same is like as, as soon as you start looking at something other or start writing about something other then it becomes interesting to me or to, to you possibly forevermore you know then i'm really interested in it always from that so it's almost like i collect like i i, I mean initially i had this sort of resistance like i was not interested in trading estates i i was not interested in like um you know just a, a culture wholly of like older men i was not you know it was like it's almost not as repellent but it was like i had no kind of curiosity about it but then as soon as i start i choose to choose to looking look at it 
like for instance, I, I'm not from a single parent family, and uh, you know, uh, I'm not really into heavy metal, but I just chose that, and then I became really interested in these things. So I like that. I think if I like in theory, I, I would think, okay, right, what am I really interested in? I'm into like, you know, like at least 1960s girl groups and, uh, you know, starting bands and um, these things. But if I think I, if I chose to write a story about that, I don't know what, it would be weird. <laughs> it would almost like cancel itself out or whatever, you know. It's not, it would be too exciting. It would be too, too stimulating. <laughs> I, I think, would... um, Sorry. No, 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 please, please. I, I need to stop talking, basically. So that's good. Thinking about the the men and, and these, like, older men that you weren't interested in. Yeah. <laughs> that was something that I, I really liked about kind of... It's almost like a study of these older men and, like, uh, in driving short distances and, like, that kind of masculinity, which is maybe... You know, when we think of like masculinity as a category, that's often not necessarily the kind of man you think of. I felt like it really gave a dignity to these kind of men who you see everywhere, but maybe like aren't that visible in some ways. Yeah. Even though we're, you know, we're talking about like the patriarchy and stuff all yeah, the time. Yeah, that's interesting. Because do you think it's because, do you mean probably because they're, I guess they're older and they're not, you know, they're definitely like, past being like attractive attract what what you know the what we're shown as to be attractive men they're like older and they're quite um heavy and they're quite sort of you know gnarly dudes and they're quite you know um they're like and also their their jobs or their roles seemingly supposedly you know compared to like um picasso i'm trying to think of like older famous guys or you know often they're really like film stars or or artists or i'm trying to or politicians they're all quite high profile positions i guess any famous older men so maybe it's because they're like doing like is the word tertiary i know i never know what that means what does tertiary mean i don't know what that means come on you guys are the writers you gotta know your vocabulary's got to be better than mine please no uh well okay let's ignore tertiary uh you know they're like they're like in in um they're, they're you know they've got trade in the state base it based ish or small town provincial jobs i guess you know provincial employment and they're older so the idea is that that some of their jobs are beginning to get phased out as you were discussing so maybe that all those things are very unromantic and un un sort of photogenic or untelegenic so maybe uh maybe that's why we're not seeing it so much but then of course like you're saying it's uh it's interesting because we're not seeing it so much so so that's good. Good news for me. <laughs> good news for me and my... Uh... I think, yeah, and this thing as well with, like, Keith, it's all these, like... He's, like, performing this kind of masculinity and it keeps slipping. So, you know, like, how he's... They're at the famous, like, butcher... For those of you who haven't read it, uh, the Joff's second book, Driving Short Distances, they're at... Um, the they do the carvery every two months or something yeah. where all of the different trading estate people or men around the small town meet. And he's kind of like performing that he's drinking all these pints, but <laughs> actually like slipping it down a plant pot or something like that. Or like he's talking about his mentor who is like also on the estate, but then secretly has this skill at like line dancing or he used to instead. Yeah, so, or like yeah. his the tenderness of him with his dog and things like that. Yeah. So I think all those like little slippages that keep appearing through Sam's eyes as he's like spending all this time with him, they kind of give this tenderness to Keith and like vulnerability, which makes you like which makes him like a much more complicated and complex 
character, I guess. Well, yeah, that's, I'm glad because that is, yeah, that's why I sort of wanted to put that stuff in because I think, you know, that, that people, especially like in a culture of sort of mostly men, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I guess that, you know, banter and all that stuff is, uh, is it's tough stuff. You can't, you can't really kind of, before you feel like you can't break free of it or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I've done, I don't even have that many male friends. And the ones I do have, you know, like, I don't know, into quilting or whatever, you know, so I, I'm a bit of a puss puss. <laughs> what I mean is, sorry, readers, sorry, listeners. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's fascinating stuff, you know, when someone has got a surprising, a surprising element to them, you know, and I love that and I'm really drawn to it. And, uh, you know, even just on a really simple visual level when i see people i don't know strangers or whatever you know i go for a lot of walks and i always love to look at people and dogs and what kind of dogs they've got and often there are these kind of like relatively alpha old guys seemingly alpha of course you know they just seem like they're you know tucked in shirt short hair relatively conventional dress and uh, you know they look kind of like you know you know you say hi to them and they either ignore you or they go like mm. uh, and then they've got this like you know like really fluffy little cute you know like that dog you know and it's just like i love the just down that lead that <laughs> the lead is in the hand you follow the lead and suddenly you get oh hello what that that <laughs> him with him with that dog and uh and you know they still look still you know like it it looks like they are walking you know the expression in their countenance is it looks like they should be having like some kind of power breed one of those dogs it's like a bicep on legs but no it's just this little you know tiny pomeranian you know with a ribbon and it's like yes excellent you know it's an outlet i don't know i mean it seems I'm, this is my interpretation it's what i'm you know it's probably incredibly patronizing sorry listeners but uh you know it just gives me a sort of thrill <laughs> there we go sorry sorry kids i'm so sorry well, in terms of character, yeah. um, I thought a good thing to talk about would be music because you, like your characters kind of express themselves through music a lot. You you say, you tell us things about their personalities through like what bands they're into and stuff. Yeah. And you are also in a band yeah. and in, into music. And I was just wondering, like, do you think in music? Is that how you sort of, I don't mean literally think in octaves <laughs> i mean like you, you know does that tell you something about my very process, right i have the uh, <laughs> that sounds great <laughs> i wish i did that was that would be so cool uh well that's it i'm really glad you asked that as well one you asked about the <laughs> you asked about the the um uh, job that is possibly you know beginning to be uh defunct thank you for that 10 points jess and also you know i always want to put this stuff about music in because i find my curiosity about people and what music they listen to is enormous um and i'm very like i'm pretty i'm like a music nut you know i really am interested in music i listen to music all the time i'm fairly obsessed by it it's more interesting to me than like making comics or or uh, anything else so i think it's probably natural that i i do think about what music these characters would like even keith right the character we've been talking about and um, I did have this idea in my, uh, you know, like in my notes, in my in my original kind of plans for it, where like, um, uh, you know, there's one bit in the, in the in the story where the young character Keith is in Sam is uh, Sam is in Keith's house, 
and uh, there was a little extension of that bit where he was like actually was left in the front room for like about three minutes two or three minutes and in the actual book he sees an old picture of keith and his dog that's the only sort of detail that sam sort of gets because he's quite curious about keith but in my idea he was going to find this box of records you know like a, a box uh you know like one of those kind of carry, 70s carry cases with uh still store LPs and he was going to like open it and think oh well, I've got to see what records Keith's got this is totally like what I would want to do and so he opens it up and he finds like three or four records he finds like uh so in this he really wants to know what music Keith's interested in there's one bit in the book where Keith says that he doesn't like the Beatles so we know that that's in the book but what's not in the book is the bit where he finds his record case and he opens it up and uh, he sees um recordings of you know recordings of British Birdsong that's one of the records uh, the Nolans, like a Nolans album, you know, like uh, you made me oh, was wow. it? own the mood for dancing, and uh, <laughs> and the other thing is uh, the sound, uh, twenty-five uh, British jets taking off and landing, like a sound effect, you know, like a recording record. That's it. That's re that's Keith's record collection. And, wow. Uh, wow. So, <laughs> and I thought that was you know, and then but it was just too convoluted to try and do all that. So that's like a deleted scene I'm, I'm telling the listeners about for people who haven't even read this book. It's not really going to sell it, but still, there it is. <laughs> so, in so if we rewind back to like, where do the characters come from? Yeah, do the vinyls come first before <laughs> any images. Uh, probably, like you know, I def if I am thinking about the character, I definitely would think about like in the in the first one in the Bagnold Summer. Uh, I think I mentioned like what music Sue likes, James Taylor, and she likes Carpenters. That's mentioned, and obviously, like loads of it is about what bands. Sun likes, uh, you know, metal. And Leonard, it, there's one bit about turtlenecks and Leonard Cohen at student uh, halls in the 1970s, and uh, I, that like, I was there. That was like so like my mum talking about her university. Oh, good. Yeah. Years. No, I, 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 yeah. People are taking. Well, who was that? Was that? Was that? Um, who was the mum in back? Yeah, Sue, Sue says it. Sue. No, yeah, she God, doesn't. Really... That's someone else. It's Does she not? No, it's... Oh, Va she, Val. Yeah. Ah, no, uh, uh, there he is. Yeah, I, Val, I was like, mixing, not, up, no. mixing up the numbers. I'm so thick. No, no, no. I'm, I was thinking, it's not Sue. Who is it? It's Val. Who, <laughs> Val is one of my favourite characters. In, yeah, Val's great. Can you explain a bit? Who, explain Val to people who haven't... Oh, well, that is... Yeah, no, I'm so glad you remember who Val. it was. Yeah, I do too. She's like... I, I was just thinking, I want to make the whole book about her. I was so bored of, like, drawing these stodgy men by then. Because it's like, she's like... She's in it, like, three quarters of the way through. And um, and I was thinking, oh, God, no more... I just can't draw any, like, grim more, any more grim men. So then Val is, like, almost like the polar opposite. She's a woman of this similar age to these dudes. But she's, like, you know, lively. And she's, like, you know, she's got a really good sense of humour, unlike many of these men it has to be said this is humor is like you know not that well developed or not that you know there's no kind of irony or sort of playfulness it's just sort of you know it's kind of dad jokes but like lowest common or not common denominator dad jokes so vow i really uh and i thought i had loads of ideas about her and i almost like would like to make a spin-off you know like a <laughs> like a whole story about her because i can especially like with her with like her marriage to like particularly grim husband Mm. <laughs> oh, the 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 image of her husband. Um, so so Val is like this really great older woman, and quite Sa glamorous. And yeah. Sam is kind of like wondering who is her husband, who can she be married to? Yeah. He must be a great guy. And then we see the picture of the of her husband, yeah. and the face of that husband 
is like I've seen that face so many times. <laughs> Good. Like it's so perfect. It's like a real specific yeah. face of a man. How did you make him? Um, Where did he come from? Well, Which yeah. record? No, no. no. <laughs> um, I think um, that's a, yeah. I really I thought really hard about exactly what I wanted it to look like. Definitely. Yeah. And I wanted it to look like the most like grim you know least fun looking it's okay sorry sorry to male listeners of this podcast but many times <laughs> i've known like really great women uh and i've been like oh they're so you know they i've met them and i've known them a bit and i've often you know my curiosity this is so that book their book is pretty autobiographical because i thought like i wonder who their like husband is or I wonder who their partner is and you've met them you've been like oh <laughs> you know, so, how did that happen yeah, no, you know and I'm not saying that you know they're in an unhappy marriage or unhappy relationship or whatever i'm sure you know and it takes you know often it's like opposites attract or often there's like a, a dynamic that we'll never we'll never understand because we're not in that relationship and it's granted uh and then maybe there's just a Sorry, no? Maybe that's just a, a surplus of brilliant women. Yeah, I, I think, to be honest, I think that is the sad truth. I was trying to make it, I was trying to like even it out and try to make it sound like I wasn't a complete fascist. But I think the sad <laughs> fact might be, especially like, especially borne out by the several, several of the people I've been talking about then have like, you know, broken up with said partner and they've been a lot more happy. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but you know. <laughs> Probably. I, yeah, I, I think that is important. Like w- one thing I noticed a lot in in both of your books is like, for example, like in the first book, it's like a coming of age story of sorts. But at the same time, usually the parents or the older people in those stories are just like a backdrop. And often they're like kind of relegated to being the thing that you need to overcome to have your rites of passage. But I feel like in your work, like there's often a real like balance between these different generations where like the mom is just as much of a main character in that yeah. story as the son. Whereas often it would be like the teenager who is the central character and then the parents of the backdrop kind of thing. But then like the characters like Val, like the mom in the first book, like they have this real like dignity, which you don't often, I don't know, I, I haven't often seen that demographic like having such kind of dignity and, and kind of presence in like novels or graphic novels thanks man yeah well with the with the first book that was definitely i definitely had that in mind at the very start i thought like i do want to make you know like because there's loads of things about teenagers definitely but you know often the mums or the dads the parents are definitely like you know they're sort of just like there to sort of tut or like be offended or you know disapprove or to like say no you don't you know like that kind of stuff and that's about as far as they go so i definitely wanted to make it like a you know just as much like the mum's a central character just as much as the as the son is, you know, so I definitely had that in mind that she would be like the the heroine and he would be like, probably like more like the anti-hero. <laughs> I don't know. No, not an anti-hero, but you know, like he's definitely like, you know, not, she's more heroic to me than, than he is in a way. Cause he's, you know, he's kind of on his way and she's kind of having to deal with a bunch of stuff and, and in, including him. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's one thing as well. Like with, um, you know, at the start, you mentioned Linda Barry being a big influence. Oh, yeah. I love and I think, and we spoke about when we first met, like, I absolutely love Linda Barry as well. And I think, like, with Linda Barry and your work, it's kind of like what's out, of, like, with the mum, for example, in, in 
Days of the Bagnall Summer. It's like kind of like what's off the frame or like what's not, she's not saying about like her terrible youth or these, this kind of traumatic thing that's happened in her past, which seems to be as important. And I feel like in Linda Barry that happens a lot where there's like terrible things that aren't mentioned or seen in the frame. Yeah, but They're definitely. like outside of it. And that's like, that makes them even more powerful somehow. Yeah, the way Linda does it, she's like a master. You know, I can, I can only imagine being like, one eighth as genius as she is at doing that stuff where it's like yeah like you can just tell the sort of trauma is uh, you know around the corner or like at the sort of bottom left almost of the of the whole thing but it's kind of there and the way it comes the way it's articulated in like you're saying in really small kind of incremental details or not even details but it's alluded to is uh she's just i don't know her writing is she's just a magnificent writer of that stuff and it's so natural too like the most natural sort of uh, people talk about you know voice whatever but she her voice is just like so unselfconscious and also like kind of like a, a a really wise kid writing but then also i don't know she's just she's just the best yeah like i can't even i can't even imagine how how you'd come up with that stuff oh, yeah. oh, man <laughs> sorry <laughs> Well, I, I think what's also really interesting is kind of like the form of the graphic novel and how, I guess because I think about things from the perspective of a, a non-graphic novel, a, word, <laughs> a words novel. <laughs> yeah, um, a word novel yeah. <laughs> and how I think something that's often quite hard is um, trying to portray the spaces between the things that people say and what they actually mean. Yeah. Whereas I think in a graphic novel or like in your novels, you do that so brilliantly because you've got what someone's thinking or what someone's saying but yeah. then we can see that whatever action they're doing is like different yeah you I, know is, is that something that you think about yeah definitely and i i um there's kind of like there's a school of thought in comics where they just talk about it should be like design you know like it's just sort of like layout it's all about like it doesn't really matter what anyone looks like they're just figures you know you could just you just you make sure you know someone who you know the person who's speaking um, but I don't um, necessarily um, subscribe to that at all because I really work really hard to make sure that the expression, for, particularly for stuff like you're talking about, Jess, where like I want it to be someone saying something other, like but clearly like they're they're trying to say that thing for that person's sake, or you know they're concealing something other, or they're not exactly you know they're saying something very definitive, but their faces maybe show some doubt, or their body language shows that they're not confident or their body language is like turning away. So I love that stuff. You know, I think I find it really, um, I mean, in other people's comics, whatever, Linda Barry can do it with just like really simple drawings, but the drawings are expressive. And then the writing on top of it is just so layered that she's great at it. And um, the people who are good at it, I really, so I, I you know, I, I, <laughs> I do my best to try and make use of that, you know, because you have got that visual, aspect yeah how do you do it in like words novels i don't know how do you do it do you do, you do it with like internal monologues or do you do it with like what narration i mean it depends if it's oh, I, the I think person. like someone like sally rooney i think she's like the master of that where like yeah. her characters have these conversations but but they're not like they're not actually in dialogue with each other yeah like she she kind of or like they're misunderstanding each other all the time yeah like, is how she does it which i feel like she's yeah, she's the expert. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the, like, yeah so is she, is she on the next episode? Uh, we'll, we'll see, to... we'll see. We'll come on, that. Sally, come on. This is, <laughs> this is repeating to you. You've you, you got to be, come on and 
like you know be more articulate and speak less than me please well i guess like on that note i think what i also really liked um about driving short distances is with sam we have his so we have sam's thoughts and we have the things he's saying it's told in the first person yeah. but then we also we also like see pictures of him from the outside so i felt like i was like shifting perspectives you know like i'm seeing what he's thinking yeah. but then i'm seeing him from another perspective and then we also get kind of towards the end of the book the idea that he is actually drawing the book himself oh, yeah because yeah <laughs> you fucking about all this stuff that no one else has asked about so thank you very much um yeah that is kind of suggested in there um definitely uh so i don't know why uh i just came up with that yeah it is interesting and sometimes it is yeah like there's a picture of there's big pictures of keith that clearly like sort of his pov his point of view uh you know because it's like next to him in the car and it's like what he's directly looking at like keith's leg or something there or keith's arm mm. and then there are or some which are hair. or nostril hair exactly the, the kind of thing that you could only see if you were him sitting next to someone in a car you know and so that's kind of kind of encoded into the structure but then sometimes yeah like it's totally external and it's uh and it's, he's obviously there it's obviously like what keith's seeing you know keep looking at him so i mean that's one of the i guess just, even though i resented setting loads of it in a car because one i hate drawing like the insides of cars and car seats you know i, I totally regretted that because but it does it did allow you like to it to be quite intimate between sort of you know the the space between the two characters or whatever so yeah, so I suppose it does. I mean, I guess comics play with the point of view automatically because it's always showing you something, isn't it? Unless it's just like a blank comic and no one wants to read that. Unless it's like, you know, draw your own. That'd be quite fun. What do you most enjoy drawing, Joff? Oh, this is a good question. Um, I like drawing well, humans, definitely humans, faces. Bodies are harder, but they're really fun. And it's a fun challenge. Like I can draw faces and facial expressions easier than bodies because you know there's like less architecture to <laughs> to uh, deal with um so i really like drawing that and i do like drawing bodies but it's more challenging bodies from weird angles is challenging some people some comics are really good at like you know crazy sort of orson wells type you know film noir type you know unusual angles i'm not so good at that and like shadow and stuff and i, I can't do that very well everything's pretty pretty face on with me um and so I do like drawing humans, dogs definitely, cats much harder because the head always looks weird, horses, uh-uh, um, buildings I hate, I, I cr I'm crap at drawing buildings but I love to look at drawings of buildings so I aspire to draw buildings drawings but the one thing I hate drawing and I have to, have had to, had to do drawings of them, you know, needs must, especially for this book, for that, for that book we're talking about, is cars and I don't mind shattering illusions of the aspiring drawers and artists because i say cars are so hard because they're like they're, you know inorganic shape but they're also like they're not square they've got curves but then drawing the machine tilled curve is so hard and it just <laughs> looked like a weird it looked like a cross between a sort of i don't know like a like it looked like a plastic bag full of water you know when i draw a car it looks so wrong or like you know dead jellyfish it did not look like a machine a boring silvery gray machine designed by a computer so kids full disclosure i trace the cars in my book i trace them i didn't trace anything else i drew the buildings because that was a challenge that i was thought was fun and interesting but i traced the cars because i'm not i just couldn't 
draw them well and I hate cars and to draw them so I just trace them and they look quite good because you know it's like I, if you trace it down there you can draw it you know quite jauntily or quite freely and sort of do some sort of you know vaguely experimental kind of coloring in or shading it can be quite sort of rough because you've got this shape you know nice but anyway sorry everyone to totally but you know it needs must <laughs> I, I used to have this book when I was a kid that was like um a book to teach you to draw and it would show you things like a horse and so you'd follow it so you'd draw like a circle for the body <laughs> and then you'd do like the rectangles for the legs and then and it would break it down step by step I mean a very basic horse but I still think about that sometimes <laughs> I have to draw something. I need that book clearly you got cars in there yeah. too uh, maybe cars weren't even invented when this book was written. <laughs> maybe what you're trying to do, Jeff, you're trying to like phase out cars. It's part of your like eco mission. I, it's part of it. Like my, I, I've been driving a car since I was like, I learned that my mum, I lived in the countryside too. And my mum and dad very, quite, quite, you know, relatively assertively said, you should learn to drive because we live in the middle of nowhere and you're going to be a very bored 18 year old. And they, uh, and they, so I learned to drive in my mum's like 80 Citroen and um oh my god it all comes full circle because the person who initially taught me to drive was the very initial basis of the character of key because he had the, oh, he, wow. he ended up being really different to the guy who taught me to drive but one a lot of it's trapped in a car right so that's definitely had made an impression and two he did have like a short sleeve shirt and uh, with the epaulets on the on the shoulders so it, that is that relates to what i'm talking about what i'm talking about is obviously totally different, but then it all comes back. Everything comes back to me learning to drive. But anyway, I did learn to drive, and I drove since every, you know, like I, dr I had a car in various, I had many, many shit Ford Fiestas that, you know, I was fairly attached to. Uh, and then someone broke into my car in 2018. They broke into it so badly, they wrote it off. And since then, I've not got a new car. And because uh, I was using my car less and less, and I don't know if I'm going to go back to driving a car because, you know, it feels good not to move away from the car, you know? Do you guys have what a car? What did they do to it? They I just they drive. just made a really shit job of sorry sorry PG rated. They made a really not very good job of um of, of trying to break into it. They didn't take it. If they had taken it, it would have been actually better because I think I'd have got more insurance money as opposed to like <laughs> sixty five pound for scrap. <laughs> oh no! I know it's funny, but you know it turned out to be a blessing, and I've used more public transport and therefore met more like you know unusual people. So. It's good for my, good for my process. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's another thing. No cars. It's a good point to ask you about color because oh, you wow. have chosen quite specific colors for each of your books. Yeah. And I know that your next book has a different color palette. Yeah. So the first first book, black and gray, black and white with gray. Okay, pretty exciting. Second book, mostly dark blue, some brown, just for mega excitement. And then this book was the brown for trousers on the second book, mainly no, the men's uh, trousers. There was a few men's trousers, yeah, and like a dog, yeah, men's trousers a dog, and okay, a dog. Sorry, That's the sorry. name of my memoir. <laughs> continue, continue uh, the reveal, the the official reveal. Okay, of the third book. Yeah, but it's it's like sort of it's like downgrade because this one's just brown. <laughs> <laughs> but tell us why brown. is that, Jeff? Why is um, the thinking? But what? Why is it the brown book? The brown um, period. Yeah. Why? it's not that considered but it's brown monoprint so like in that within that brown it's dark brown and then there's a lot of hazy brown and there's some dotty brown 
and that's like one of the characters Dotty Brown no not really it'd be good if it wasn't that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah so yeah Brown <laughs> you were just drawn to Brown uh, well, I had I had some brown monoprint ink, and then I drew a couple of pictures with it. You know, just like when I was trying to work out who was going to be in the book and stuff. And uh, I guess it just stuck. It's a bit like the blue paint first time round. But there's no other there's no other leave it, you know uh, exciting color to go along with the brown. The, I think the chapter pages that are going to divide up chapters is going to be orange. Oh, nice, mm-hmm. cool. Like a rusty a rusty book. Yeah, it's uh, well. Okay, I'm gonna validate Brown now. Just, but it's definitely an afterthought. Which is a lot of it's to do with like, his, you know, like dusty historical stuff and like libraries and seventies university buildings and someone who's over seventy and wooden shelves and dusty old books. So, Brown. Mm-hmm. Well, brown's very seventies, isn't it? I can see some like good brown turtlenecks and yeah, like like, oh, like carpets oh. with flowers that are brown and orange. And... You guys rule! Yeah, there are some flashbacks to the seventies, including brown turtlenecks. There you oh, go. And then God. the character... are any of those orange lamps as well. Oh god! Well, that would be. I'd have to involve. There would be, but I'd have to involve the orange in the chapter content and that is just like you know oh sorry sorry that is like putting nitro and glycerine together that is like you know too explosive that's dylan going electric sorry (laughs) perfect analogy man definitely yeah definitely but talking about drawing horses they are really hard to draw and there's a song called the beautiful waitress by uh terry allen this like outlaw this outsider country guy from the 70s and there's this bit in where he says like the waitress said to me she like I said I was an artist and the waitress said to me, I, I like art, I like to try and draw horses. And he says, Yeah, those are hard to draw. And the waitress says, Yeah, I can draw the head and the body, but then I just can't do the legs or the tail. And she he says, No, 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 what you're drawing? Sausages. And she says, No, th- these were horses. <laughs> it's a great I haven't really done it justice, but you know, find it and then play it in this in the show and you'll get you'll we'll put it in the references section of well, oh yeah if they'd had my yeah. my book it would have been all right yeah, like, yeah. you know you i can draw a horse now <laughs> how, how are your horses i never seen any of your drawings jess are you any good i'll send you a horse sometime. okay okay cool watch out and he is horse and <laughs> um, thank you yeah well do you draw well, any of those pictures behind you i can see what are that what are those pictures are fascinating me Audio description. There's yeah. some pictures on the walls behind our heads. Yeah. No, I did not draw anything. <laughs> <laughs> they look iconic. Um, we're we're going to play you out, play the listeners out, with a song from your band. So tell us about your band. Well, uh, my band has been going a long, long time. But probably about the same... My band is probably about the same age as you are. It's me and my friend Simon. And we, uh, I play the drums, he plays the guitar, and then we write the songs together. We've written a lot of songs, obviously, because we've been going a long time. Most of the songs are well under one minute, 30 minute, uh, one minute, 30 seconds long. They're all quite short. It's very, even though we've been going for a long time, the band is still very primitive. It's, it still sounds like we just started. In fact, once we did a gig when we'd been going for about maybe 17 years, and this woman said, that was very good, considering, you know, you obviously just 
just started. And we, and we, <laughs> <laughs> we said thank you, thank you, thank you, lady. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know really. I, I we've done a lot of gigs in Bristol. <laughs> At one point, I realised that anywhere that had music on, we had played. But we haven't played for a while, so that's changed now because obviously new venues have come up and we haven't not yet played them. And we haven't played, you know, that many gigs in the last 10 years. But the 10 years before that, from 2000 and... I'd say from 2002 till about 2012, that bracket, we played, you know, we played like three or four times a month. And uh, it, year round, it was fun. The remainder of Miranda still remains on the veranda. The canvas back since saved the panda still is here from this time last year. The astronomy book's still in it. Listing galaxies embedded. If I thought for just one minute, she'd come back and she'd be back. When I cry the whole night long, listening to Joy Division song from the earliest dates of compassion and traits. Oh, a Remember the times I lend a hand to distribute wildlife propaganda. Remember the night that my baby planned to get put in jail just to save the whale. Sabotaging that super tanker when the ocean went a tracker. I only hope that the seagull stank her and the giant squid for what she did. Where she is, I wish I knew. Somewhere in that briny blue. Now maybe that I love tender buttons. You guys are very kind. You've you asked questions which were much more interesting than uh, the several I've been asked in the very few interviews I've done. So thank you very much. I'm very grateful. If you'd like to keep up to date with tender buttons, then you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find Story Smith Books on North Street in Bedminster, Bristol, and we'll put links to all our references on the episode page online. We'd also like to thank Ben Vince for allowing us to use his music for our theme.